Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex. It's yet another installment of Black History Month, and we watched In the Army Now, starring Polly Shore, Andy Penis, and David Allen Greer, and Lori Petty, and a bunch of other people who suck. So, did you guys like the movie? That's one All right, way next week's it. episode. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm so hungry. <laughs> We got Encino Man on the docket. Okay, so... Uh, it only takes two. Yeah. <laughs> I, damn it. My own rule has been used against me. Right, yeah. You hate well, to see it. Before we get into this film, uh, Parker, do we have any news? Did anything happen over the weekend? Uh, we had to take a week off. Uh, what, were you goofing off or something? It's been a long two weeks, man. Yeah. <laughs> As it turns out. <laughs> Love to wake up, look around, go like, okay, power's off, heat's still off. I think water's good. Let me just open my phone. Is that the Jared Leto Joker dressed like Jesus? And just really feeling <laughs> my own mortality pressed against me. Oh, man. There's like, that. There are other things, too, but I don't remember what they were. Like, you know how, you know, when anybody posts about Harry Potter on Twitter, it's just an endless line of read a different book? Can yep. we do that with Zack Snyder in the Bible? It's so cool. It's a good idea, actually. <laughs> Why is the Joker your cheese? It's fine. I'm sure it'll all make sense in the four-hour film. <laughs> Which I really, I really appreciated the like within minutes fucking edit of the um. <laughs> People hated him because he told the truth. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> saying we live in a society. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that was good okay well let's get into our jerks of the week oh fuck i can't believe you've done this i'll let you guys go first all right my jerk of the week is the republican party of the state of virginia now travel back to 2018 for a second we had a uh, a freshman congressman from the uh the middle of the state named denver riggleman who was uh exposed for drawing bigfoot erotica Oh, I think and, I heard you know, about this. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Friend of the show. And long story short, uh, because of COVID, the uh, the Republican convention in the state of Virginia was a drive through thing where a bunch of fucking party hacks drove through and yelled about how he officiated a gay wedding and therefore shouldn't be their representative in Congress. So he lost his spot on the ticket. Now cue the story from the Washington Post that I discovered from December. <laughs> What hunting Bigfoot taught a Republican congressman about politics? You see, it turns out, this man spent $10,000 of his own money to go on a guided squatch hunt in Oregon. <laughs> and we just kicked him out of office. I'm so upset right now. Don't blame me, like... I voted for him. <laughs> the absolute fucking nerve. Finally, you someone we too can close? trust. 
you think you think he asked for the wrong files and they just had to uh, get him out of there? Local government's really been letting us all down recently. <laughs> Can you imagine if we elected him to Congress and like the people who stormed the Capitol like found those files and distributed them <laughs> to the masses? Guys, guys, guys. Whatever you do, don't look for evidence of pedophilia in the cabinet that's labeled Bigfoot. <laughs> it's a code word, like Podesta, a common ping pong. Parker, who's your jerk of the week? Uh, we're we're going to allow you several jerks of the week if you'd like. I have a lot of options at my disposal. But one has stayed in my mind all week, Chris. And that was when all of this began, and I texted you about it, and your response was... Oh, if my power went out, I would just pick up a book. Absolutely. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Well played. <laughs> What's the matter? Don't you like to learn? Just spending all week getting rides to work. My piece of shit car won't start in the cold. At four in the morning getting driven into this job I hate. With all the power out. I was like, yeah, why don't you just crack open some Tolstoy, dickhead? Thanks, man. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I fucking hate you. And now we're here talking about another Polly Shore movie. I thought the sorry, you don't know momentum, how to read Radish Boy. I thought the loss of momentum would get me out of this. They're like, ah, oh, we can't do the whole month. That sucks. Nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, my jerk of the week ties into a movie that I watched. Um, my jerk of the week is Nolan Bushnell. Uh, a lot of people know Nolan Bushnell. He's the one who invented uh, Atari and uh, Pong and all that bullshit. And a uh, big waste of time. But he also invented Chuck E. Cheese. And Chuck E. Cheese led to Five Nights at Freddy's, which led to Willy's Wonderland. Um, oh, I'm so sorry for you. So here's the thing. Uh, the other Alex came over, and she's really excited to watch Willy's Wonderland. It stars Nicolas Cage. And I'm like, oh boy, this will be great fun. What could possibly go wrong? Well, first things first, uh, Parker, I don't know if you've heard, Nicolas Cage doesn't speak a single solitary word in the entire movie. Great. Love the suncast <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to have a silent protagonist, you have to cast, like, a name actor. It's either him or Matt Damon, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> it's not the greatest of really funny. <laughs> It'd be really funny if Matt Damon were one of the animatronics just saying his own name the whole time, though. That would be really funny. I would like that a lot. I would like that more than the Mexican animatronic. <laughs> well, that was the best part of the movie, buddy. <laughs> that was your best part of the movie? Uh, so here's the thing about Nick Cage in this movie, is there's actually quite a bit that I like about this movie, and a lot that just absolutely ruins it. Nick Cage is this, like I said, silent protagonist. Alex, is he autistic? Is, is that what they're trying to do in this movie? <laughs> I don't know. I think I that's what they're care. doing. <laughs> I just want my time back. So he's in this... First of all, the movie's only like 88 minutes, so it's not even that long. But anyway, he he drives Felt into town, this. some like backwoods place, like Allen, Texas or something, and uh, his car breaks down, and he can't pay for it because he doesn't have any cash, and the guys are like, oh, we know how you can work it off. You can be a janitor at Willy's Wonderland for one night. Just clean the place up best you can, and once you walk out the door, uh, we'll have your car ready for you. Well, it's it's like that Five Nights at Freddy's thing. So the animatronics are going to attack him, and he has to defend himself. Now, the good news is Nick Cage is a lot of fun in this movie, even though he doesn't talk. He's able to dispatch most of the uh, animatronics, 
And he also does this weird thing. This is my favorite part of the movie. The the guy tells him, make sure to take breaks, ostensibly to be like, oh, if he's not working, then you'll be less suspecting and the animatronics can kill him. So every once in a while, his uh, the alarm on his watch will go off, a little beep, beep, and he'll go into the back room, crack open a soda, and play some ping pong, and dance around like a lunatic. And it's... I laughed really hard. I was like, wait, this is great. This is somehow better than him fighting the animatronics. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you there because that was my like least favorite part of the movie. <laughs> wow, really? I actually, th- that was definitely my favorite part, especially because at one point he's uh, he's fighting an animatronic and the alarm goes off in the middle of the battle. So he hands uh, some accomplice like a switchblade. He just goes in the back to play ping pong. I'm like, you know what? The man has his hobbies. So I, I kind of like that. Uh, what else did I like? Nothing. So, there are other characters in the movie, which is possibly the biggest flaw in there. Uh, no, it's the second biggest flaw. And they're like, they're gonna stop, they're, they're like a bunch of kids, like the Mystery Incorporated gang, who are gonna stop the animatronics from killing people. There's a sheriff who's in on the whole thing. Parker, have you seen this movie yet? No. I, I was planning on it, but you know. I Alex, for a lot I of guess things. we should tell him why the animatronics are doing what they're doing. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, this to me was the worst part of the movie. Uh, Parker, do you have like any familiarity with Five Nights at Freddy's? I do. So, like, for anyone who doesn't, uh, in the game, the idea is that it's it's kind of set up well. It's not like a good game or anything, but I at least understand the way that they're trying to set up the conceit of the game. The idea here is that the animatronics will come and get you, and because you're not an animatronic yourself, they'll try to stuff you into a costume, which is full of all the you know, mechanical gear and stuff like that, and they'll kill you in a very gruesome way. And it's like, okay, that captures the imagination, that's, you know, it's at least somewhat intriguing. In here, they made a deal with the devil. This fucking Ari Aster-ass plot in this animatronics movie. Dude, absolutely go fuck yourself with this shit. I One hated this so much. One of the dumbest fucking much. things I've ever heard. That really sucks, man. It... <laughs> They keep doing it, man. They keep, like, mentioning it over and over again. So the idea is that they had this uh, knockoff Chuck E. Cheese called Willy's Wonderland. It was run by serial killers. And after, like, a million disappearances, like, the police finally look into it, and they've all killed themselves and made a pentagram on the ground so they could do a body transfer thing with the animatronics in Willy's Wonderland. And if the town doesn't sacrifice, uh, you know, people to them so they can satiate their bloodlust, then they'll escape and kill people in the town. So yes, Parker, this movie has a lot of similarities with Ogre. Dude, like... When we get the first animatronic fight, and it's this fucking zibba-zabba-lamo-ass CGI neck-flying-around bullshit... And then we get the second animatronic fight, and it's just a dude in a suit. Like, man, just pick one. I don't I don't need it's like, oh, this one's active. I wonder if this is gonna look like shit in this way or that way. I God, I I had I was so fucking bored by this movie. Like, Chris, you said you loved the parts with the the pinball and the taking breaks and stuff. I actually did, yeah. Every single one of those scenes was just like fuck, that's like 90 more seconds of runtime before this shit is over. <laughs> like, I couldn't enjoy it because it was just the most fucking... The conc- the thrilling conclusion of Terrence and Philip will not be seen tonight! <laughs> like, I don't care. If Nick Cage isn't gonna do his stupid Nick Cage voice, I'm not interested. 
Well, like, I thought he did a pretty good job as a silent performance. I understand that you're looking for like the vocal exercises that he does so well in so many movies. But uh, from what I got, honestly, I had I know I had a better time than you did because it sounds like no one could have a worse time than you did besides the Mexican sorry. animatronic. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh this. though. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, just one of the animatronics just speaks the most racist Spanish you can imagine the entire fucking time, and somehow escapes from the Wonderland. And there's a fight on the road, or he's just like, you know saying whatever spanish people do i don't, I don't fucking know it's just a but... jeff dunham bit <laughs> yeah kinda <laughs> it's it's just like really really bad action sequences that's one of the things that the other alex knows is that the action's really bad which i guess they tried to mask because the movie's very poorly lit uh it's it's very very dark so they could hide it they had a budget of i think three dollars and fifty cents or something like that so the uh the cgi on the animatronics is really embarrassing it's also it structured very poorly like it's paced very poorly like there's no oh, there, there are very, yeah. very 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 few scenes of the animatronics like moving around in the background and like oh maybe they'll talk before that then one just suddenly says i'm gonna feast on your face and then he yeah kills it. parker you've seen a lot of martial arts movies you know when they do the tournament scene and it's just like the next challenger just steps up and they start fighting yeah. it's that but with like a shitty cgi bird oh. Like, yeah, I remember hearing about this last year being like, okay, this could be something. And then seeing like, all right, it comes out this Friday. I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> not hearing no. about it for a year and then surprise <laughs> it's done. Is, okay, we'll see. Yeah. Apparently I'm the people sure who made this said it's it. not based on Five Nights at Freddy's. It's like its own thing. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yes, because And it sucks. Cool. Chris, you, br you brought up the lighting and like. I love the the setting of this. Like, I think the the Wonderland itself is like really coolly done because like yeah. you see it the first time and you think, oh, it's just gonna be one room. This is gonna be like trash. And then you see there's like, oh, all these party rooms, this background shit, you know? Because the teenagers got to go somewhere to have sex before they get killed. Because of course, why would we not be doing that in this fucking movie? But when we get to the second fight with the fucking gorilla. Where it's just like the shaky cam on the gorilla's face. He's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Like, I was just out. Like, at that point, I'm just done. We get shitty CGI ostrich monster. And then fucking what honestly was filmed like a sexual assault with this gorilla in the bathroom. Like, I... Oh no, my god, you're I, right, yeah. It, it was disturbing to watch. And I'm just like, alright, this sucks. I just want it to be over. But I can't exit because I don't do that. You know what may have made the movie a little bit better? If the animatronics themselves were, like, characterized in some way. Maybe not based on, like, a weasel, but, like, maybe characterized based on the original serial killer who inhabited its body. This sounds or, like, so stupid the more I say this. Or, like, you know, he's in there, he's cleaning the place, and he looks up, and all of them are gone. Like... And then it's like, oh, we never know where they're going to come from. There's in, at least some, just some surprise. It, it's just one at a time, and they, like, slowly walk off the stage like they're the fucking heavy in an action movie. It's just, it sucks so much. Like, And there's a lot of things where it's, like, poor decisions or strange decisions. Like, again, I can't tell if Nick Cage is autistic or if he's a robot himself. Like, the first time the ostrich tries to kill him... Your next thing is, okay, they're all standing still on that stage. I should go up and behead all of them. Or, like, I should try to leave. And you get neither. 
Yeah, that's it. Again, he seems more like he's a robot than the the animatronics themselves because he's just programmed to keep on. Cle- he does a really good job cleaning up the place. Yeah, <laughs> which is a uh, spotless. I don't know why, but I guess that's maybe that's supposed to be part of the fun. Maybe this will be a cult movie. You know, as someone who's lived a lot of their life under the simple instruction of keep it simple, stupid, if your evil animatronic movie involves the devil and the town coming together for a sacrifice, maybe try another draft. It's fine. You, you don't yeah. have to make the movie right away. That's the You know, Parker, I think much. you'd have a better time with this than Alex did, but I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it if I were you. Oh, this has two and a half stars written all over it for this guy. Yeah, I'll pretty much. Eventually. But since y'all both talked about it, I'm in no rush now. Oh, one more thing to say about it, because this cracks me up. I don't really read a lot of movie reviews, but every once in a while, if I check off a movie, I'll see, like, the comments. So many people saying, well, it's not quite as good as Mandy and Colorado Space, but... I was losing my mind while I read Letterboxd reviews this week, because there was a whole (laughs) lot of insomnia and nothing going on at four in the morning for me these past two weeks. Sometimes you just start clicking around, it's like... Oh my god, I share this planet with these people. What me, the fuck? Let me just guess here. It's not great, but if you just shut off your brain, it's a lot of fun. But even if you shut off your brain, it's not fun. It No, it was just straight up like, no, this movie's actually really funny, and it's absolutely a cult classic. Three and a half stars. Everyone should see this. Like, shut the fuck up. You're a moron. Like, I, I kind of had fun in some sort of good, bad way that's... I've had definitely worse experiences with movies. I've had worse experiences with Nick Cage movies, like knowing. But honestly, this one, it doesn't do enough to be like, hey, go out of your way to see it. it it's the worst possible thing that a Nick Cage movie can be is boring. And this movie's fucking boring. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, uh, I, I went through, we had more time. Alex is like, oh, let's watch another movie. I'm like, what are you in the mood for? And she said, I'm in the mood for something terrible. So we put on Dragon Ball Evolution, and uh, turns out that movie fucking holds up, dude. I fucking love that movie so much. Because <laughs> you mentioned that, and I went to the IMDb to refresh myself, and I realized, like, oh, that's right, they do try and do Piccolo in that movie, huh? wretched. <laughs> 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 she was like, wait, they had the guy from Angel in this? I'm like, yeah, he played Piccolo, and she's like, oh, I was looking for the one other white character. I'm like, no, no, he's green. You don't, you don't understand anything. <laughs> did, did you, did you like, but, hold, hold on, hold on, and you just pull out your phone and frantically search green dick is better than blue dick. <laughs> oh, that's like. I have don't used. Worry. I, so I don't much need to search these last couple anymore. months, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get through this. <laughs> uh, it's a perfect movie to recommend to someone who really likes uh, Dragon Ball C if you want them to never talk to you again. I, I forgot well, about the fake out ending. I guess you're ready for Dragon Ball Evolution 2 where it turns out, oh, Piccolo's okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> Alex likes to talk about, oh, wow, this is the movie with two people from Shameless. Uh, so fucking Whereas I like to say, oh, look, it's J.B. Chung, who at this point might as well be on an episode of uh, Real Deal Nest Exhibit. We might as well uh, interview her because she's been in so many of the movies we've watched. <laughs> Come on the program, we know you're listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if you were in Sorority Row, you probably don't have a lot going on for you right now. Look at Carrie Fisher. So, uh, <laughs> the other movie... <laughs> Damn. Okay. <laughs> uh, nobody else will laugh at that, but you got me. It's cool. <laughs> it caught me off guard. I didn't know where he was going. <laughs> and the other movie that we watched, uh, which we actually watched last week, uh, she never saw The Fly before. So, uh... 
you know, she's someone who really likes Jeff Goldblum, and I think she, I don't know if she loves David Cronenberg movies, but she at least appreciates them, and I know she really likes Gina Davis. So, like, hey, let's put this on. Movie with three actors in it. Dude, that movie still holds up. It is so, so, so good. You guys have seen The Fly, right? I thought you hated The Fly. Whoa, no, I love The Fly. Alright, my bad, then. Yeah, uh, I, I love The Fly. It's fantastic. Uh, I... I even like nowhere near as much as the Cronenberg version, but I even like the uh, the Vincent Price version from 1958. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's okay. It's I just nowhere near as good as what this is. The effects are astounding. I think one of the things I really like about it is the first credit that you see is uh, special effects done by whatever his name was. And I think he won an Academy Award for it. And I think they invented the Academy Award for Best Makeup Special Effects of for the year that this movie came out which is really really good because this movie obviously deserved it and i'm starting to feel like this movie is uh becoming more and more apt for my life because the movie's basically about aging and uh the more i feel my body breaking down i'm just like oh god i'm becoming a fly thing <laughs> as someone who watches a lot of gross movies i still struggle with that arm wrestling scene it's a lot Oh, really, the arm wrestling scene is the one that gets you? Because I always think of about the one where he's, like, puking up all over the place and tearing out his own fingernails and everything. There's a lot of cringeworthy uh, body horror in that movie. Uh, fingernail stuff will always get me. It is. Yeah. That's no bueno. Yeah. That yeah, arm wrestling fair. scene, yeah, that that is a little bit tough, I will admit. Uh, you know, not often you see a pro-abortion movie, but uh, I think this one definitely qualifies. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the Brundlefly is hashtag child free. <laughs> on subreddit. Speaking of pro abortion, I watched Old Boy the remake by Spike Lee. Oh yeah, do you like it? <laughs> so one news we forgot to mention is the they're trying to fast track the American remake of uh, uh, Train to Busan. I'm sure it'll be good. Oh yeah, just like the American remake of uh, Snowpiercer and the upcoming American remake of Parasite. You guys think and... John Bernthal's gonna be in it? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe this American remake of Old Boy. Now, in the past, I've kind of got on Spike Lee for this uh, because uh -oh. I thought it was very arrogant for people to watch a Korean movie or any other foreign movie and be like, oh, I can do it better. Unless you're Sergio Leone. look at the calendar. Here's the thing. Spike Lee's not the problem here. Uh, it, I don't know if this was his idea. I think he was just sort of like contracted to like, hey, you're a good director. You can do this, which, you know, good for him. But this is almost all studio interference. This is studio interference. Like, I think they picked some of the actors. I think they edited down this like a bunch because the movie is actually way too short. Like the original Old Boy's a solid two hours. This is like an hour 40 and definitely doesn't go into enough detail about things. It's like a very abbreviated version of the original movie that still doesn't work. And there's like, there are things that they translate to make sense. Like he's still going, he still went to a private school originally. You guys have seen Old Boy, right? I'm hoping I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah. All right. Come on. Uh, just making sure, you know. Just like it sure. was for me. It's you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, on. you know. It's, okay. Okay. No, fair here's, enough. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Like I, I like foreign movies. I love foreign movies. I've been to a foreign country. Yeah, which one, buddy? I laugh at Tony Danza. I laugh at Tony Danza. <laughs> I just had a fucking stroke, you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was looking for a way to work that in. Anyway, 
So I the movie's not very good. Off again. That's the last thing I can hear. <laughs> oh no, no, God. no. Uh, the uh, the the problems with Old Boy are that not just it doesn't go into enough detail, but it's every single thing that happens in the original Old Boy happens in this remake of Old Boy, but a lot worse. They go into way too much detail about Josh Brolin's character. You shouldn't do that. You know, you should just put him out there. We should be about as confused as he is. Uh, they try to do a fake out of the big twist, which is one of my favorite twists in any movie. Is in the original Old Boy, and in this one, they do the same twist, but they try to hide. It, be like, oh, we're going to do something different. Oh, won't that fuck you up? But it's the exact same thing, and everyone sees it coming, and that's a huge problem. Where it becomes Spike Lee's fault is where he films the action. Remember the infamous hammer in the hallway sequence? Great sequence. It's one of my favorite scenes in movie history. In this, it's like a lot longer and it's kind of on like a catwalk and there's far more people for him to fight. And it's filmed like shit. It's got that like... How would I, what do I compare this to? Remember the Prince of Persia games where you'd be fighting like a whole bunch of people and you're, you're really only fighting one person at once and the other, the other like crowd of people are just sort of like shaking their swords at you, be like, oh, when you're done fighting that one guy, I'm going to jump in. And they do that in this movie. I'm like, that sucks. And I can see them. You have to find a better way to shoot this, which just, it just goes to show that you should look to foreign movies to know how to shoot martial arts sequences. Don't let Americans do this. We're just not very good at it, unless it's best of the best. <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing next week? <laughs> Hopefully, watching best of the best. <laughs> Ideally, as long as it's not polished. Oh, uh, what, a week from today is it a leap year? Uh, there are no the there are no years with thirty days in February, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a super leap year. Oh, I have no idea where I am right now. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one more here. I watched the Barefoot Executive, starring Kurt Russell. Honestly, a lot better than Old Boy and Willy's Wonderland. This movie, I would say, actually all right. Uh, my Kurt Russell streak is going strong. He still hasn't made a bad movie that I've seen yet. Was this, was this part of Snake Way? No, this is. I just thought it'd be uh, funny. Yeah, Parker just did this to me. But it's it's a Disney movie, so Parker, I I bet you uh, were scrolling through like Disney Plus or something. You saw this. I think you mentioned Kurt Russell again, and I think we've been going on for like a good half hour about it being bedtime for a certain Bonzo. So I just googled Kurt Russell monkey and crossed my fingers. As it turns out, I actually kind of like this. Um, It's not great or anything, but here's the thing. When I watch an old movie, and this movie came out in 1971, so it's old. Jesus. You kind of have to put yourself in the perspective of when the movie came out. You know, like, what were things like in the 1970s? What were the standards for 1970s movies? This does not work, even as an early 1970s movie. If you think about it in terms of, like, a 1950s movie, this is really, really good. Which I think was just a thing that Disney live-action movies did. They were always stuck, like, 20 years behind when they actually came out. So, the movie opens with Kurt Russell riding a motorcycle while they play the theme song, which is actually pretty good and then he sees the monkey that he's going to be starring the next two hours with and the look of disgust on a young kurt russell's face is so palpable uh you might be wondering what's the story chris well kurt russell works as like a delivery boy for like a a tv network right and the tv network is behind in the ratings and they really need a hit and kurt russell's got all these ideas he really wants to move up in the world and his girlfriend adopts a monkey 
So, <laughs> by happenstance, by the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life, turns out the the monkey really, really likes TV, right? And he watches TV all the night, and he throws a fit and destroys the TV if you change the channel to something he doesn't like. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I get very, very strong Bonzo vibes from Raffles. <laughs> <laughs> Me, when I walk the out to the living piece. room and Bling Empire is on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Raffles, the, uh, I'd say, is he, is he bigger or smaller than Bonzo? He's a little bit bigger than Bonzo. His name is Raffles the Monkey. <laughs> yes. His name is Raffles. And he goes fucking ape shit, no pun intended, on the on the TV when you change the channel to something he doesn't like. And Kurt Russell is like thinking about it, it's like, wait a second, the TV shows that he always watches always seem to be number one in the TV ratings. And that's where you start to realize the subtle brilliance of this movie. This movie is like subtly satirical. It's saying that like, look, a monkey likes the best, the most popular TV shows on TV. Maybe you guys shouldn't be watching television unless it's on Man, Disney Plus. I thought, I thought the twist was gonna be the monkey had the Nielsen computer in his brain. <laughs> no, he basically turns into the Nielsen thing. So here's here's what they do with Raffles the monkey. And the barefoot executive <laughs> is Kurt Russell. In order to move up, he he tells his executive like, "Hey, I'm going." To, by the way, the executive is played by the guy who plays Mister Snoops in the Rescuers, which is how I got my first ETI name. And uh, I can't unhear that voice. He says, "Look, I can predict with 100 percent certainty the number one TV shows for this week." And he just sits next to Bonzo and writes down whatever Bonzo likes to watch. He turns it in, and it turns out it's Rick, so he becomes the boy genius of television. Just think about so, orangutan posting Westworld theories every fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, you can't just make a movie out of that. Well, the movie knows that, so the way that they originally showed like pilots and stuff like that is they would go into an actual theater, show it, and all the exceptions would be around and be like, oh, I don't know. This may not have teen appeal. Well, anyway, Kurt Russell goes in there and secretly hides the monkey up in the uh, the projector booth. And he'll look behind him to see if Raffles is clapping or bored. And brought down and be like, oh, I think this movie, I think this TV show is actually quite good. Um, so, so far, sounds great, right? I also don't want to upset Raffles because, boy, you see what he did to that television set? Jesus. <laughs> Raffles lighting the film room on fire because he had to watch in the army now. <laughs> Just the end of Inglorious Bastards with the big monkey face on the screen. <laughs> That's exactly what I was picturing. Thank you. So, what happens? Unfortunately, the last third of the movie is really annoying because there's like a 20 minute sequence of the executive and like his assistant scaling the outside of a building to try to get where Raffles is and then they go back and the police show up and it's, it's, it's really boring. It's really dumb. It doesn't make any sense. But at the end of the movie, they're just like, you have to get rid of the monkey. He has to... Oh, right. Okay, so they're like, oh, what are we going to do with the monkey? All right, we're going to kidnap the monkey or take him back because whatever. We're going to bring him home to the jungle. And they bring him up on a on a plane. And Raffles doesn't want to parachute into the jungle. And so they're like, come on, just Under throw him why? out. And Raffles gets upset and destroys the plane. <laughs> and a door opens and sucks all the executives out of the plane. <laughs> They'll be expecting one of us in the wreckage, Raffles. <laughs> so Raffles lives, everyone else, I think, dies. And uh, 
they they they're able to buy back raffles for a million dollars, which he got to, as a buyout sort of thing. I don't quite understand the the rest of it. Anyway, Kurt Russell marries his youthful bride, and they bring raffles with them home, and they live with a monkey. Alex, what did you watch? There's so much blood on that monkey's hands. <laughs> so it's a prequel to Bedtime for Bonzo. Got it. Yes. You know, on this podcast, we normally hate origin stories, but I think we make an exception. <laughs> yeah, it's a next week's episode. <laughs> All right. Buckle in, boys. We've got a lot to get through here. So the first movie I watched in this two-week window was a little movie from 1995 called Virtual Combat. Now, if you Google Virtual Combat and look at the poster, you will understand exactly why I hit play immediately. Now, let me give you the setup. So we start off, our hero, Don the Dragon Wilson. (laughs) Oh my god, this poster. He's like a cop or a security guard. I'm not really clear. But he spends his free time in this virtual reality arcade, because you see, we're set in the near future, when everything is cool and futuristic, as the 90s promised us it would be. And it's just him fighting bad guy after bad guy, and he's like, no, I want to go to level 10. So he goes to level 10, he gets his ass kicked by this dude who looks like the Japanese goblin emoji. Um, He gets kicked out of the system, whatever. We start to see a little bit more of the world, because they're in Neo-Las Vegas or fucking something. I don't know. There's some sex tourists who are like, yeah, we want to jack into the thing and, you know, have virtual sex or whatever. And we cut to some boardroom with some executives who are like, we're going to take this virtual sex game to the next level. So they go to the lab where there's a big goo pit, and they start 3D printing characters from the game. So this dude 3D prints some hookers. And then one of the lab goons accidentally leaves the goo pit on, and the bad guy from the video game 3D prints himself into existence. (laughs) And he's on a mission to get all of his friends from the video game also 3D printed by way of kidnapping and murder and fucking whatever. I don't know. The point is, it's extremely cool. But what's more cool is because the bad guy is a video game character and presumably is some foreign actor who doesn't speak English. Literally all of his lines are done in voiceover. Yes. It is one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. It's so goddamn 90s stupid. It's like... You guys, if you're listening, you have to know at this point how much I love movies where people go into the internet or interact with the internet in the near future or fucking take your pick from that genre. And man, this is like, this is just like, (laughs) it's not a strike, but it's at least a spare. Like, this is real solid. Like, Don the Dragon Wilson, who is allegedly a kickboxing champion of some sort, does a bunch of action scenes, and most of them aren't particularly great. But then the robots just start shooting lasers at people. Did I mention there were robots? There are robots. This is on Prime, isn't it? It sure is. I mean, I watched it. What do you think? But, yeah. I figured, but I wanted to be certain. Yeah, you can do worse with your 90 minutes or however fucking long this is. It's just the fact that, like, normally, you know, you watch, like, one of these, like, shitty, like, late 80s, early 90s action movies. And there's, like, a point, like, 50, 60 minutes in where you just, like, your eyes start to glaze over as you wait for the big finale where, like, a million ninjas show up and they blow their special effects budget. But in this one, every time that's about to happen, it's just like, 
This fucking computer voice is talking while this guy does martial arts, and it's like, okay, okay, I'm back in. This is good. This is real good. Alright, the next thing I watched <laughs> was a grimy late 80s anime called Goku Midnight Eye. Oh, no, fuck yeah! Not that Goku. Oh. <laughs> this is a different Goku. You see, this Goku was on the Neo Tokyo or whatever police force. And I don't know why, but he's a private detective now. And before I get into his story, I should describe his outfit, which is suit jacket, bow tie, no shirt. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you already know if this is for you or not, just based on that. But we get him. It, this is like one of those, you know, two 50-minute episodes. It's basically a movie anime things that, like, I don't know what the fuck they're called because I don't suck. But, uh, you get the first one, it's like, oh, all these, like, old friends from the police force are, you know, mysteriously, quote-unquote, committing suicide. I wonder what's going on here. And he goes, and he, like, loses the fight to somebody, and then for reasons that are unclear to me and all other viewers, he is gifted with a magic eye that is also a computer that can Google anything in real time. <laughs> and also an extendo stick that just, like, hits people. And then that's the rest of it. Like, we get the second part. It's basically, you know, like one of those, like, futuristic anime neo-noirs. There's thankfully very, very little sexual assault in this. Because, you know, you hear 80s in anime. You just assume, like, minimum three scenes. This, it's like one grope and you're out. It's, it's... Grading well, on a curve? You yeah. You have to budget for. It really is. Like, what was this like... made between 1974 and now? Okay, so... We're going to put the over under 2.5, and that's my threshold. I finished this, like, 6.30 in the morning. Immediately went to see who was online so I could talk about how much I love the anime dub voice. And all I've been able to think about for, like, a week and a half is just, like... If I'm in, like, some debilitating car accident and get some, like, horrific Austin Collie-ass brain injury, <laughs> all I want is for, like, you guys to go tell the doctors, like, yeah, just rehabilitate his English by making him watch a bunch of anime from the 80s. Like, I want to talk like that. Just that stupid fucking stilted dialogue where, like, either th every sentence is being rushed out in normal conversational volume or everything is being yelled. Like, it's just, it's perfect. I want more of it. Don't Parker, worry. this is I have one. More. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, this is if you haven't watched this yet, this is one million percent up your alley. Like, do yourself a favor. You know, I would not recommend anything from Japan unless it was fire. So <laughs> that's the Alex guarantee. This yeah, is anime. Exactly. Hold on, there's robots. <laughs> <laughs> so one of you guys assigned me a movie that came out last year called Fast and Fierce Death Race, which is a racing movie with DMX on the cover. That'd be Parker. Yeah, it was, come on, after you say it out loud, you know who did it. Exactly. I, it was in play that it was either of you, I don't know. But, uh, let me set this movie up for you. So DMX is not our main character, if that wasn't uh -oh. obvious. It is a movie where DMX is the bad guy. He is some sort of criminal person who is taking bets on the death race the death race in this movie just goes from one end of mexico to the other do you know how we know this movie takes place in mexico oh well it's because every single one of their low budget sets whether it's like a hotel or somebody's house or something 
just has a massive Mexican flag pinned to the wall behind whoever's like in the scene. <laughs> it's just a bunch of white people walking around in front of the Mexican flag for an hour and a half. It is exactly what you expect from a fucking racing movie with DMX in it that looks like it was made for like about a hundred grand. Now, there is racing in this movie, and it looks fine. There's no CGI or whatever. We get criminal mastermind DMX, which he gets a couple moments where he's yelling at people. And other than that, his character is completely forgettable. Other than the fact that, like, clearly they only had him for a couple days. So the second act of the movie, the entire, like, plot genesis is, like, some cops kidnap him, put a bag over his head, and drive him out to this other place, and his henchmen have to save him. It's like, alright, just throw a bag on this extra's head, and we're just gonna make that DMX for 40 minutes. Which did a lot for me. I mean, there's not a lot here. It's a direct-to-DVD racing movie with DMX on the cover. You know what you're in for. But, like, I saw worse this week, including Willy's Willy's Wonderland. And, uh... And another movie that was assigned to me by my good friend Chris, called The Avengers. No, not that one. So here's the thing about The Avengers. I found out after I watched this, this was based on some shitty TV show from the 60s. Which makes a lot of sense. Because this movie is just character after character showing up without being introduced. Like, you're just supposed to know who the fuck they are. I was so confused throughout this entire movie. This is the kind of fucking movie where our lead, Ray Fiennes, makes jokes about taking tea breaks, like, seven different times. (laughs) And I guess that's funny, because they're British, yeah. We have our bad guy, Sean Connery, whose evil plan is to control the weather and, like, hold the world ransom with thunderstorms? I think? It's very unclear. (laughs) But, like... Well, it's not like any one of us has ever been held hostage by the weather. Like... Yeah, fair. (laughs) The thing is, like, I've made this point of comparison before, but, like... It just made me think of Quantum of Solace. It's like, alright, so what's the bad guy want to do? Oh, he wants to take half the water in Bolivia so he can make money. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Team America is funded by the corporations. And while Team America is out destroying the world, the corporations just sit there in their corporation building, acting all corporation-y. And they make money. Like, it's not... This is not, like... There's no fucking conflict here. Like, Uma Thurman's in this movie as herself, and also a clone of herself, and they fight, and then one of them dies... And you don't know which one it is until she has the magic boots they got from ye olden English tailor shoppers. I don't... Like... <laughs> this is not a phrase I say very often. This movie made me proud to be an American. <laughs> <laughs> now, Alex, did you like how the character named Father was played by a woman and the character named Mother was played by a man? I mean, that's just par for the course. That's, that's to be expected. Yeah. Did you also and like the giant multicolored bear costumes that they wear? The bear costumes were pretty much the highlight of this because immediately after it was some CGI that legitimately gave me a headache and made me pause the movie for 20 minutes to take an Advil. Like, I felt nauseous multiple times watching this. It looks like 
fucking dog shit. This movie, like, this movie isn't bad just because of my prejudice against the British. This movie is bad because it's a bad movie. Right. It, it is incoherent. The plot makes no fucking sense. When you finally figure out what's going on, they take some fucking sidebar into who the fuck knows B-plot from some 60s show that fucking nobody that managed to live this long has, has seen. Like, the fucking nerve to take this and not even say, like, not even say, like... At any point, like, you give me, like, four lines of text crawl in the opening, and at least I know, like, okay, cool. There's this thing called the Avengers. They were around in the 60s. Whatever. It doesn't even have the fucking decency to give you that. It is so fucking frustrating. Because, like, somebody clearly spent a lot of money on this. And it's so not... So does Spider-Man show up? You know, it could have used any of them <laughs> even the fucking pig one like anything <laughs> his name this is movie... <laughs> I'm glad you're learning it's your power levels increase so much as you've run snake way I wonder what you know <laughs> return to life will, uh... he's gonna be unstoppable as soon as you send me that Elizabeth Warren YouTube oh yeah that is the thing I was supposed to do <laughs> You've well, been now busy that I have yeah, consistent power, I would love to oh, force myself to watch Jeez, Elizabeth thanks. Warren videos. Let's see, what else we got here? Uh, I rewatched The Fog for the first time in, like, probably a decade. Uh, the good one? Yeah. <laughs> Not the one you made me watch? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, like, I don't think this is that controversial of an opinion, but uh, of the good John Carpenter movies, I think it's the worst. Like, it's not like it's bad. I don't have a lot to say about it, which is shocking, because it's a John Carpenter movie, and I love everything he does, and I thought this was just kind of pretty good. Great music. Great music. Always great music. But, yeah. uh... Yeah, I don't know. I think it just didn't click with me. I think it clicked with me more the last time I watched it. Like, I was like... I saw this was on Prime, and I was, like, super geeked up to watch it again. Fired that bad boy up, and was just like... Yeah, it was pretty good don't really have a lot to say about it was a little surprised about that so how does it compare to ghost of mars skip you know how i feel about ghost of mars <laughs> i fucking love ghost of mars more than anything also this is what happens when we record in the evening you can listen to my garbage disposal suck my dick <laughs> um let's see what else we got I have a movie that I watched a week ago that Parker logged earlier that I'm excited to talk to him about called Strange Days. Oh, man. That's real good. That's it is. Good. Yeah, it turns out Catherine Bigelow is pretty good at this directing thing. I don't know yep. if you guys know this, but... uh, Was this movie just been around this whole time? I don't understand. This this has been, like, I downloaded this, like, eight months ago. Because, like, I saw this premise, and I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta watch that. And just, I put it off, I put it off, mostly because it's somehow 135 minutes. Yeah, did not realize that when I hit play this time. Oh, I knew it. But, like... Because I downloaded it when I watched Near Dark. I'm like, that sounds sick. And then life happens. Yeah. You forget about things. Yeah. But, uh... Alright, let me set this up. So, uh... Chris, you have not played Cyberpunk, correct? Correct. Alright, so in Cyberpunk, they have this whole, like, you know subplot that's going on with these things called brain dances where basically it's like a recording of somebody's memories like from their perspective and like you put on this little helmet and uh 
you can live through that experience with all the emotions that come with it. That's the entire plot of this movie. This sounds a lot like the Oasis from Ready Player One and Two. Yeah, except like rather than being like in a computer, you're it's just like a drug thing. Where it's like you put this helmet on and like you get off to like the adrenaline of like, you know, somebody else doing some cool thing. Or like you know, it's because it's the natural extension of things like this. Like there's like snuff where it's like, okay, I'm gonna be this guy as he gets killed or whatever. Um, but like for the three listeners that have played cyberpunk, like it puts you in the frame of reference for this movie. This is another near future movie where we have our hero also Ray Fiennes in a much better performance. I watched those movies back to back, by the way, oh, <laughs> I was like, I gotta see some better Ray Fiennes. Um, so he's like a former cop. That's now like a private detective. No, no, I'm sorry. He's not a private detective. He's just a dude that sells these brain dance things. I watched too many private detective movies this week. Forgive me. Um, so he, he sells these things. It's like recordings. He gets this bootleg stuff. He's got this weird hacker guy that lives in the, in what I can generously describe as the wee van. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. <laughs> and like, like he deals in the stuff. The first like 45 minutes of this movie is world building. And it's arguably the best part. Like, this world is so fucking cool because this is a movie that came out in 1995 and the the setup is it's about to turn to the year 2000 and things are going to hell and there's like riots in the streets and like the fucking streets are on fire and this like extremely famous rapper that was like you know doing all the social justice stuff just got murdered by the cops at a traffic stop and that's your backdrop for everything going on and we get, like, an hour into this movie with Ray Fiennes and his best friend Tom Sizemore. <laughs> That's and the only issue with the movie. is like, it's Tom Sizemore. I know who Tom Sizemore is. Come on, movie. Don't fuck with me. Yeah, but also, like... Alright. Alright, well, let, let me... Without spoiling anything, did the twist in this movie get you? Because it got uh, me. It got me, and then it was immediately like, oh, of course it was. Exactly, exactly. And that's, like, the best kind of twist, where it's like, oh, shit. Oh, I should have figured that out. Like, <laughs> um, so the the whole thing is, like, when this, this famous rapper got killed, like, one of the people that was in the car was wearing one of these recording things for these, these, I don't remember what they're called in the movie universe. Parker, do you oh, remember? You mean the squid? Uh, he was wearing the squid, but like, what what is the thing that they record called in this? Like, what are the oh, tapes the called? Little, they're on the mini discs. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Sent me back. Yeah, I got so excited. Oh yeah. Um. So it turns out that uh, um, you know, they have this recording of the guy just kind of getting murdered by these two beat cops, who, by the way, are played by William Fickner and uh, uh fucking Vincent D'Onofrio. So like. These two fucking, like, five-line characters, these cops that are just, like, this menacing force throughout the movie being two faces that I've seen in a million movies, really does a lot. <laughs> you see them, like, oh, yeah, they, ac- they absolutely shot that oh, guy. Oh, not, 100%. Not even a yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, they're going through this grimy world, there's stuff happening, and then... And then there's a first-person rape scene, which is incredibly uncomfortable to watch. It is... One of the most upsetting things I've seen, and I watch yeah. a lot of upsetting movies. 
it's like it's enough to keep this from being like a surprise four and a half star movie still keeps it in four star territory because this is like really good and also like they do something with it because it's called back to for a major plot point later it's not just like we're gonna shock value put this in here like the fact that it's directed by and mostly written by a woman helps afterwards yeah for sure because in 99 percent of other ones you're like okay i see this is this is what you wanted to get to okay great yeah in in different hands this would have been a mess but uh this is like an extremely coherent two hour and a 15 minute movie with like a nice resolution to a plot that i was invested in with a cool world where all of the action scenes look fucking great we get an incredible cop suicide scene at the end of the movie that just oh, yeah we do dude <laughs> and i yeah, go ahead it may just be because like you know everything's still shut down for the most part i would give anything to go to that club just <laughs> right? all this fucking industrial metal oh my god <laughs> i want to be there so badly i want to put on the squid and just and just vibe while Ramstein knockoff bands are playing. Like, <laughs> I I brought up the comparisons to, uh, you know, some of the stuff that happens in Cyberpunk earlier, but, like, if you played that game and you enjoyed it, like, you should probably watch this movie. It's the exact same vibe. It's, as somebody that sunk, like, 70 hours into that game and still having a blast with it, despite all of its bugs and flaws and stuff, if you're into the world, like, this is basically that with less goofy cyberware shit. Like, it's really, really, really good. The fact that this movie that just came out in 95 tanked horribly, no one saw it, almost, like, pretty much killed her career for a while. And then you watch it now, it's like, oh, it's a movie about, oh, this person on the run because someone used body cam footage to catch two cops killing a black guy. Huh, well, glad we passed that. (laughs) Glad we moved on. If only the real world had an ending like this one, where the good cops turn in the bad cops. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> like, well, that's pretty, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you had me with the squid it's, thing, but, uh... It's it's a movie, you gotta end on yeah. some kind of... Because, yeah, I was doing some research on it, and, like, she was writing this movie as, you know, she was living in L.A. as the Rodney King things were going on. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. And also, this movie coming out the week after the OJ verdict is very funny to me. Oh, wow. I did not realize that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. whole lot of this just going on in the atmosphere. And turns out, uh, yeah, nothing got better. Good job, everyone. All right. Let me see. Angela Bassett, please murder me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. By the way, Angela Bassett's like the female lead of this movie. I just completely neglected to mention that. There's this whole subplot with this guy that owns a club that just speaks like he just swallowed gravel. Like, I don't know who the fuck that guy is, but I, I wish he were in the I looked movies. him up, didn't have any idea what, who he was, none of it seemed familiar, but he carries a very strong vibe. Much like his girlfriend, like, alright, we need like a sort of like, you know, kind of trashy girl. Like, alright, Juliette Lewis. Like, yeah, perfect. done. He did it, Locked 100% up. movie. He nailed yeah. it. Everything in this movie works. Like, everything every fucking twist every plot point like i it's just it's really really fucking good if you can get through the 45 seconds of the most uncomfortable thing you'll see on a camera this year like it's a solid recommend it really is 
I don't say this many positive things about a movie this often, but like you should, if you're listening to this show, you probably want to watch this. It's, it's a really good movie. Just constantly staring at my screen, going, "Take me back, Lord." Take me. <laughs> <laughs> this month is really just cemented. Like, I just want to go back to the '90s. Actually, that that is just let me go be happy in some weird tech noir future. It's been the theme of like all the good things I watched this week. Let's talk about something I watched this week that was not good. A movie from friend of the program, Paul W. S. Anderson. Oh, I've called uh-oh. Monster Hunter. Dude, holy shit, Monster Hunter is so bad. <laughs> it is reprehensibly awful. Like, okay, so here's your setup. We got this military company driving around the desert, led by Mila Jovovich. Jovovich. Um, T.I. is there. There's some other dudes whose names that I, I don't care enough to remember. Like, they're talking about, you know, oh, man, being in the army sucks, blah, 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 blah. So, naturally, you open letterbox, you see, oh, is this movie woke because the soldiers realize the army sucks? Shut the fuck up. Just <laughs> shut up. Just don't Suppose post. woke is in the army now. <laughs> anymore. Ever again. Anyway, they're trying to find, like, some other company they got lost and they drive into a storm and the storm takes them to the monster hunter planet where they get haunted by a big monster from under the sand and most of them get owned and then a couple of them try to hide and then some shitty cgi spiders lay eggs inside ti so you get to see that that's cool oh, all right um so everyone dies except for mila jovovich who then meets tony ja who uh fell off a sand pirate ship in the opening of the movie and now just lives in the desert with his bow with a scope on it. And also, it's a different planet, so he doesn't speak English. So Act 2 is just the two of them fighting shitty CGI monsters and then playing double fish out of water because they can't understand each other. They finally have a breakthrough in their uh, character arc because (laughs) Mila Jovovich pulls out a Hershey's bar and just, like, dangles it over his head like he's a fucking monkey at the zoo. And then he eats it. And now they're friends, because he got chocolate. It's... That sounds wretched. That's the fir- This movie is like 90 minutes. This is like the first hour five of it. They managed to kill the first big monster. Who fucking knows how? I know there's a bazooka involved, because they find some military gear, and it's like, ah, yeah, east meets west, whatever. Who fucking cares? They get to this oasis, there's a bunch of nice creatures there, and then a dragon shows up. And then Ron Perlman comes back on the sand pirate ship to scare away the dragon. And then they have to go to this thing that looks like the fucking Eye of Mordor to go home. And then they do. And then the dragon flies through the portal, and it rips the wings off a plane, which is actually the coolest part of the movie. Nah, it's like really dope. But, uh... Yeah, it fucking sucks. Like... You know what you're in for with Paul W.S. Anderson as far as the action goes. Like, it's gonna look like shit. It's gonna be stupid. There's gonna be, like, a couple good ideas buried in just a morass of shitty, generic fucking sci-fi channel CGI. But at least most of the time you get, like, his extremely shitty battle quips and stuff. But in this, you don't have characters that speak the same language. So it just looks like shit. And there's no one saying anything. It... I feel so bad for Tony Ja. Like, like he's literally just playing this me-no-speak-English character. It is 
Oh god, it's what happened to that dude? I don't know. He was yeah, like he was gonna be the next big thing, and then like disappeared for like three years, and now just shows up and shit like this in jujitsu. Well, not yeah. Well, not to. I'm not trying to dump on the guy or anything, but I think he doesn't really speak the greatest English, right? Yeah, it don't matter. I mean, new cool kids. Yeah, yeah, okay, supporting roles in movies forever. I, maybe he could show up at a John Wick and do some cool martial arts for a scene. Why is he hitting Monster Hunter? He was in Triple Threat. I liked him in that. Well. Sure to watch that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, what I'm saying is you don't need to watch Monster Hunter. Like, I had not high hopes, but hopes that this would at least be interesting. And it is the opposite of interesting. I was bored to fucking tears. Between this and Willy's Wonderland, 2021 is off to a weak fucking start. So what you're saying is we should have got Dan to watch it. He could review it. We would have got his audio on here. No, of course, yeah. Dan, if you if you're interested, go ahead, watch <laughs> it and record yourself, and I'll put it on here, and I won't make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. What else do we got here? So, uh, we have had many conversations in my section in the past few weeks about movies directed by one Stephen Hopkins. So I went back and watched his debut feature, an Australian horror movie called Dangerous Game. Now, let me give you the setup for Dangerous Game. We have this group of five friends that are in, I think, college. And I guess one of their dads, like, used to be a cop, and he fucked with this other cop, and the other cop's really mad about it, so now the cop is fucking with his kid and all his friends. And it's just, like... Just, you know, writing them tickets for no reason, you know, like, following around on the highway waiting for them to do something wrong. Like, there's one, like, the opening scene of the movie is, like, you know, the guy's driving around in his convertible and his friend's on his motorcycle and they're shooting water guns at each other on the highway and the cop comes up and he's like, oh, I'm gonna give you guys tickets because I suck. You know, whatever. So, it, within, like, the first ten minutes, our main character is just like, I'm tired of this fucking harassment. I'm gonna go report him to the police station. So he drives to the police station. The cop is tailing them the whole way. And then, like, Three Stooges crashes his cop motorcycle into all the other cop motorcycles and gets suspended from the force. So he goes home. He gets fucking hammered. He decides he's gonna follow around these kids to fuck with them some more. Now, unbeknownst to him... These kids, because they are college kids trying to get lead, um, <laughs> they decide to, uh, <laughs> they're, they're hanging out at the main character's best friend who fancies himself as this hacker's place, and he breaks into the school mainframe and gets them all the test scores, and they're like, oh yeah, if you're so cool, what else can you do? He's like, oh, well, I can unlock the doors to this department store. So he does. Like He's like, yeah, I'm going to set it on this timer. We're going to drive down there, and I'm going to show you guys. So he does, and they go in. They're like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe we got in. And then the door locks behind them, because the cop followed them in, and he took the keys away and hid. And they're like, come on, hacker boy. Are you going to get us out of here? He's like, I'm not actually a good hacker. I just memorized the uh, the codes to get in. So uh, we might be stuck here for a while. Ooh. And so this this cop, like, they're like, all right, whatever, you know, we're just going to hang out in the store, we're going to have some fun, we're going to look for some food, we're going to play some arcade games, whatever, we're going to have a cool college kids night in this abandoned department store. Like, awesome, right? And so this cop's, like, following him around, fucking with him a little bit, and he's just like, I'm going to, you know, he's, like, literally just, like, trying to be a shithead. And then he accidentally kills one of them. 
And then the movie becomes, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, I have to kill all these kids because I have to cover up what I did or my entire life is over. And so what I'm saying is it's like Chopping Mall with a crazy drunk cop instead of a robot. Oh man, that sounds really good, actually. It is about as good as I expected it to be, which is pretty good. I was really happy to not be disappointed by something this week. Um, For the record, this movie basically doesn't exist online. Like... I hope you know somebody with a Pass the Popcorn account, because that's the only way we were able to find it. It is nowhere. But also, if you know me, DM me, I've got a link. Like, it's, like, my understanding is, like, he directed this movie and immediately got offered, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, I think. Which, yeah, checks checks out. out. Yeah, yeah. The movie's not good, but, like, yeah, I could turn that down. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, And then went on to do such movies as Predator 2 and God. everything I talked about last episode. God. That was a good episode. <laughs> it was. Some good movies in there. All right. All right, a couple more here. So I stumbled upon a movie that I did not know existed, thanks to my good friend Jeff Bezos. <laughs> a movie called Black Moon Rising. Now, are either of you familiar with Black Moon Rising? No. That triggered something in my brain. Let me see here. Oh, no. I don't know what the fuck this is. Okay, so... Oh, wow. Let me set set this up for you. Holy shit. I see this title. I see this cover. I see this came out in 1986. I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, werewolf movie, question mark? Let's take a look. Fire it up. I see... Movie starring Tommy Lee Jones, written by John Carpenter, s- takes place in grimy ass near future LA about a future car. And I'm like, I'm in. sign me the fuck up. I press play. We get those nice rounded letters on the title card. We get the nice synthy fucking score. We get Tommy Lee Jones, who is basically playing the Fonz in this movie. Like, Tommy Lee Jones is a, like, criminally uncool person who manages to be cool in this. So the setup is basically this. Tommy Lee Jones is a thief. He gets hired by the government because he, he needs to steal some data disk from some facility for some trial. Who fucking knows? Whatever. So he manages to get out with it, but there's some other thieves there, and they chase him. And he has to hide the disk in this, like in the back of this future car that stopped at the same gas station as him to like go back and get it later because he knows where they're going to be. He goes there to try to retrieve the disc. And as it just so happens, there's a carjacking that takes place at this restaurant that's at. And like they, they go and they raid the valet lot. They take everything, including the future car. So now he's got to get this disc back from this, you know, fucking Bob Evil guy who owns these skyscrapers, has this business where I guess he flips fancy cars or something. And one of his, like, chief car thieves is Linda Hamilton, who, you know, our female lead, obviously there's some chemistry going on between her and our boy Tommy Lee Jones and his extremely leather jacket. And then it's basically a heist movie where he has to steal both back, back both a disc and a future car that is made of Kevlar and has rocket jets in it. Oh my god, is that what the car looks like? It (laughs) sure is. This movie is so fucking good. 
Like, you can tell that it's not all John Carpenter. Like, it's obviously another director. And you can tell there have been some changes to the script. But the dialogue is just, like, snappy and stupid in exactly the right ways. Uh, it's a movie where Tommy Lee Jones gets the shit kicked out of him. He, like, he gets pistol whipped, like, four times, like, 50 minutes into the movie. And is just rocking those bruises for the entire rest of the time. Just It's like just that. car chase after car chase around shitty-ass, grimy fucking 80s L.A., there's extremely complicated security system in these skyscrapers. They have to break in to try to steal the car. There's an elaborate plan. He has to, like, conscript the fucking engineers that made the rocket car because, the, you know, all their money's tied up in it. And he's like, I need this disc. You need this car. Let's work together. We get a jump of the supercar between the skyscrapers. Oh, my God. It's incredibly fucking good. Like, I know I said really good things about Strange Days, but, like, if you have, like, a hundred minutes this week, you should watch Black Moon Rising. Like, this movie... If you have the time, please watch Strange Days. If not... This movie fucking owns, dude. It is... Like, I'm ready to watch it again. I watched it five days ago. I'm 100% ready to just fire it up a second time, because, dear fucking God... I did not know this existed. I did not know John Carpenter was attached. I pressed play. I saw that name. I saw that distinct fucking font on the credits and went, oh fuck, I'm in for an adventure. And I was. Yep. You know how good a movie has to be for you to think you're getting a werewolf movie and instead get something completely different but still love it that much? Right? How often does that happen? <sighs> you guys uh, do yourself. Just once, apparently. Yeah, yeah, because there aren't a lot of them because I went seeking out movies like this afterwards and they don't exist. So, uh... Do yourselves a favor, listeners and the two of you. Like, it's such a fun fucking ride. It's got, like, all of the 80s car chase tech where it's, you know, the one camera that's, like, mounted out behind the wheel. So you get, like, all the shots from, like, the back right wheel looking up at the car as they, like, speed through traffic and shit. Like, it's so fucking 80s in all the best ways. Do yourself a favor. Okay, only two more. I swear I'm almost done. I talked about a movie a couple weeks ago called Blue Thunder that I was planning to watch, and then I did. Um, so this is a movie where Roy Scheider flies a police helicopter. He has his uh, his new fresh face partner who just wants to use the helicopter to look at naked ladies doing yoga, which, fair. I get it. Um, there's, like, this... this the the like the plot of the movie is there's this like new this new police helicopter nicknamed Blue Thunder that has like all of this surveillance tech and all of these weapons that no other police helicopters have or are supposed to have and the military is like developing it in conjunction with the police Roy Scheider and his partner get suspended from the force for looking at Titty and not being in the vicinity of a crime <laughs> which is like a really funny like place for this plot to jump off Turns out that the uh, the main test pilot for this helicopter is, like, Roy Scheider's helicopter rival from Vietnam, I guess? So, uh... Like, the, the entire climax of this movie is, like, this 40-minute sequence where Roy Scheider steals the helicopter and has to, like, reveal all this stuff that they recorded on the surveillance because his partner got killed and, like, they're uncovering this conspiracy and blah, 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 blah. It's basically a procedural 
it's pretty interesting and like the effects are pretty good for an 80s movie you've never heard of but uh (laughs) i gotta say the whole fucking time because this is a movie with multiple helicopter crashes like you remember you remember back when steve irwin died and like people just had it out for stingrays for like a year hell yeah when i was watching this movie i was like clapping like a seal watching helicopter crashes for kobe like it was not a reaction that i expected to have but i was just like yeah fuck helicopters dude i hope they all crash like fuck them i can't believe they took our boy away from us like all my homies hate helicopters hell yeah yeah you know again i've been watching a shitload of 80s movies this week and this fit right in that vein i was pretty happy with it now the last thing i sounds like a lot of self-care for you this week (laughs) oh buddy 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 whenever i am unable to be awake between the hours of 3 p.m and midnight this is what's in for me like i'm (laughs) and last but certainly not least so i think two episodes ago i talked about a movie that i watched called tiger claws about a serial killer that was targeting martial artists so let me talk to you guys about tiger claws 2 (laughs) yes okay so tiger claws 2 opens our police pairing from the first movie have now split up they have new partners one of them with his new partner is on a bust they're trying to bust this weapons dealer who how can i describe him you ever see somebody whose neck is as thick as their head All right, so Tekia Spikes got it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's go. Imagine that, but he is a dead ringer for Steven Seagal. Oh, fuck yes, dude. Here we go. So that's our weapons dealer. Um, You know, the cops are on scene. His partner's undercover. His partner ends up getting shot. The guys, like, run away. They get arrested. And then these goons show up and kill the cops that arrested him. Take the guy away. It's a white dude in an eye patch who I think is supposed to be Asian. I'm really not sure. Anyway, they're just like, all right, so you're going to help us break the bad guy from the first movie out of jail, because of course they are. So they go, we're like 20 minutes in, they break him out of jail, not a lot has happened, it's been a lot of shooting for this martial arts movie, I'm like, all right, maybe this is a bust, maybe I didn't need to watch this. Because as you remember, the bad guy from the first movie is the bad guy from Bloodsport, so I want to see him just punch and kick people in the face. They bust him out of jail. They take him to San Francisco, where he meets with his brother, who reveals, the reason that I broke you out of jail is because, as you know, our fighting tournament for Chinese New Year is about to take place. And it only happens once every 100 years. So we need the two of us to bring honor to the family or something. So the cop team gets back together. They decide to go chase them down. Uh, apparently, at some point between the first movie and the second movie, the serial killer that kills martial artists is now a good guy. Don't worry about it. Um, they go to the tournament. The arms dealer guy insists on also being included in the tournament, because why wouldn't he? We find out midway through this tournament, which is, it looks exactly as you expect it to, in all of the best and the worst ways. We find out halfway through that this guy needs his brother's energy to open a time portal in order to send a bunch of modern artillery back to the Qing Dynasty era so he can take over. Okay, okay, I am 
I could not possibly be more in with this movie. <laughs> they end up teaming up with the bad guy from the first movie to stop them, you know. The day is saved. Everything is great. They win the tournament. They defeat the evil arms dealers. And then I open IMDb and see Tiger Claws 3, which is apparently about ghosts. So... <laughs> <laughs> tune in next week for me to talk more about this extremely cool series oh my god <laughs> dude I'm <laughs> I might call him sick to work tonight yeah <laughs> this just changed everything <laughs> you I, I'm pretty sure all three of them are on prime so uh Buddy, you Thank find you a way to get Prime Party Watch working. Like, I'll be up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and now I hand the reins to you, my friend. Okay. Well, uh, due to circumstances outside my control, don't have a ton <laughs> of new stuff. A lot of the stuff I watched was just, like, comfort rewatches because it's like I can't focus on anything because I have constant anxiety of, is it going to go off now? Is he going to go off now? Is he going to go off now? And then it goes right. off. I'm like, fuck, now I can't do anything for an hour. So one of the first things I rewatched was the South Park movie, because it's been a long time. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, it still holds up oh, real well, as it yeah. turns out. So my theory about South Park and Beavis and Butthead is South Park was not as good of a show as Beavis and Butthead was, but the movie is better than the movie of Beavis and Butthead. It's close, oh, yeah. but South Park movie is just a little bit better. Absolutely. Like, because I'm sure you guys are similar to me where uh, once Comedy Central started airing movies uncut on weekends, you just saw this a hundred thousand times because it would just be on on Saturdays. So, like, and I still remember the entire movie, but it all holds up. Even knowing that jokes are coming, you just kind of wait and they say it and you giggle to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's still really, really good. Finally, we always... found a musical that you like. <laughs> yeah, I even wrote that down, and then I was going through my uh, my notes from the podcast and realized that, oh yeah, one of you assigned me Mulan Rouge, and it ruined <laughs> my day. I can say that was I not me. I had forgotten. Let's see. Ooh. So, uh, I finally finished my Alien watch by watching Alien Resurrection. That's a movie that doesn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Hey, do you want to know why? Yes. So you take a director who's this French guy who makes a lot of really, really, really French movies. Take that for whatever you will. And you go, all right, cool, here's your script. It was written by Joss Whedon. Make it work. <laughs> Fuck. Do that math in your head. <laughs> it's a very bad mix, as it turns out. Uh, Sigourney Weaver's good in the whole thing because she at least takes it seriously. And the last 15 minutes are real good. But the rest is complete but i it's not surprising that the franchise just died right afterwards but i uh, you know had to watch it sooner or later what else was i doing Let's see. no <laughs> <laughs> oh yes let me just turn on a light with no electricity at four in the morning chris why didn't i think of that you light a candle <laughs> uh, we bought several and then we got home and the power was back on <laughs> fucking jokes on this guy <laughs> I watched a movie that came out last year that I wanted to see called Freaky which is a Blumhouse joint and Skip oh, you God. know I'm passionate about that from the same writer director of both Happy Death Days 
in which a nerdy girl and a serial killer swap bodies. So you know I was in immediately. Oh, of course. Also, the serial killer is Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. So this whole movie is just Vince Vaughn pretending to be a high school girl getting into shenanigans. And also, I did not realize it was going to be R. So that really boosted it up. I was expecting a bunch of bloodless, like, whatever. Now, people get really fucking murdered in this silly Freaky Friday ripoff, which did a lot for me. They did a very smart thing, which is uh, we set up the main character being a complete nerd loser, and everyone hates her, including a bunch of her teachers. So once the switch happens, we just get to watch said people die horribly, and you don't feel too bad for them. Like, you don't feel bad watching a shop teacher just get absolutely buzzsawed to death. It is a solid three, three and a half stars. It's what you think it's going to be, and that's fine. I'm not asking for anything more from that. Okay. You know what? Let's just talk about some good stuff here. Let's really get into what's what matters right now. Which is, of course, more 80s and 90s anime. Hell yes, yes. dude. I have two things I would like to bring to your attention. One is called Lily Cat. Cat, of course, C period A period T period. You want to know what it stands for? You'll find out. Because if you uh, look up this movie, you go to the Wikipedia, you know, you scroll down to the C also, and it's usually like, oh, here's sequels, here's that director. The C also for this are Alien and The Thing. Because it's just those two in a 70-minute <laughs> anime movie. It is incredibly good. They wake up in space, there's an alien life form on the planet, and they don't know who it's inhabiting. And then people just die in ways people only died in 80s anime. It is a strong recommend. I think with credits it was like 67 minutes. Nice. It was beautiful. You're in, you're out, a bunch of people die... The cat might be a robot. Don't worry about it. It's very good. Another thing that I know, Skip, you will like is a movie called M.D. Geist. <laughs> now stay with me here. The Geists were basically like solid snakes. They just made these insane super soldiers. And they became too strong. So they just kind of threw them in a satellite, threw them into space, and hoped no one would find them. But they did. Do you want to know what the MD in MD guy stands for? Oh no. Your medical doctor? Incorrect, because the answer is most dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all of the solid snakes, he was deemed so dangerous, they just like hit him in space like fucking Rita Repulsa. And then he got free <laughs> and murdered a guy wearing <laughs> night armor, and then just wears it the rest of the movie killing people. <laughs> I might be watching this. There's a scene where he stabs a man in the face with a knife. And then you see that on the end of the knife is a grenade. And then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Every one of these action scenes has the loudest squealing guitar and saxophone solos you've ever heard in your life. Oh, I'm so in. It's so fucking good. <laughs> like, the end of the movie is... This guy trying to unleash just this nightmare monster army that'll wipe out all life on the planet. And it's up to MD guys to stop him. And basically, they're just wearing Gundam armor and fighting to the <laughs> It is ten stars out of five. It's so good. And you know what? Yeah, everything else I've watched is like, I'm not going to talk about Step Brothers again. Step Brothers is good. I rewatched a lot of shit to pass the time. So let's just get through 
in the army now. <laughs> Don't worry, this won't take long. Uh, Parker, at some point, could you send me like the list that you found on Letterbox of all these anime movies? Because I, I want to absolutely can because I saved several. Thank you. Already downloaded Alita Battle Angel. Uh, Very excited about it. No, the eighties one. You'll see. Oh, okay. We'll talk. We'll talk. Yes. Okay. So um, let's get into in the army now. So, you guys ever see Stripes? Alright guys, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to say. Stripes is a movie starring Bill Murray, uh, 1981. Classic movie. Absolutely love that movie. It's really, really good. It's one of Bill Murray's best. Uh, this movie is an obvious, like, uh, cash-in remake of it. And I have a remake, really just rip-off of uh, Stripes. But instead of Bill Murray, one of the funniest actors in human history, we got Polly Shore. And as soon as the movie begins, he's like playing this video game, this army video game, and he's talking, and you're like, oh my god, that's what his voice sounds like all the time. Like, imagine going to high school with Polly Shore, and he like sits next to you in class. He's just like this all the time. That's a truly cursed existence. Man, you know what? This is like a toned down Polly Shore. God damn. I'm, I am I wish I had gone to high school with Polly Shore, because then he would have gotten picked on instead of me. <laughs> That's fair. Well, the only one who would have gotten picked on more than Polly Shore would have been Andy Penis, who is in this movie. And I, okay, okay, we talked about this last time we were on, right? And we didn't understand how Andy Penis ever became popular. Like, how did he become like a name actor? How did he become like someone like, oh, hey, everyone, you know, Andy Penis. How? He's terrible at this. This guy has absolutely no comedy chops whatsoever. Was it part of the episode last week where you discovered in real time that he's responsible for Phil Hartman getting murdered? Because that was yes. an incredible yeah. minutes. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was... Uh... Oh. <laughs> Thank you for that, Parker. <laughs> well, you're like, how's this guy famous? Like, hey, man, check this shit. <laughs> you just kept scrolling like, Candace is in the Ben Stiller show. We're... Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, he's in this. Thank goodness. Anyway, uh... The basic idea is Andy Penis and Polly Shore work at this video rental store. I guess it's like a Radio Shack, but uh, not. And they're not very good because Crazy Boys is losing money because he's always in the back room playing video games instead of helping the customers. And the boss is like, I'm going to fire you unless you sell a something. And, the, and Polly Shore is like, oh, guess what? A lot of vagina just walked in. Yeah, what the fuck? <sighs> yeah. I'm not happy about that. So she's in here, but she's working on... Also, this is another thing that we get in like a lot of these movies, but especially Polly Shore movies. Please don't try to tell me that Polly Shore has ever got lead. There's no way. And, and of all people, like, in the past movies, the girl with like the chipmunk voice, and in this movie, it's a lot of vagina, and then Lori Petty. But, like, come on. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, he just has that raw charisma from the 90s. That and the hair. Okay, let's talk about the hair again. I that guess the, the whole thing is just a setup for when you join the army, then they have to shave your head. Like, yeah, I know, sure, but like, no one was walking around with hair like that. If I could, I would, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't rock those natural curls like that. I'm sorry. Looks between watching horrendous. this, the whole scene with them getting ready for boot camp, and then I didn't just watch Strange Days with Vincent D'Onofrio. I was in a very weird headspace, <laughs> like the first thirty minutes of this movie. Sorry, like, I just for, feel like Pauly weird hairdos are like a recurring motif in Polly Shore movies. That's, that's <laughs> what he's known for. That's like the voice. 
Yeah. Yeah, Pauly Shore, like at any point in a real boot camp, would absolutely private pile everyone in there. That's not <laughs> even a question. He would just get thrown out for being unable to do a single push-up. Well, I guess <laughs> we have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, alright, uh, anyway, they get fired because they were doing a scam. They're like the Ed Boys at the Radio Shack. And <laughs> they decide... They decide to celebrate getting fired by playing mini golf, which they have rent due, and they spend money on mini golf instead. Man. And oh, there's some uh, <laughs> like military guys nearby. Are like, hey, can we play through? Yeah, sure. Then Pauly Shore just has an episode. <laughs> this, this cracks me up. I don't know why. <laughs> he, just he just starts kept rubbing touching his head, the man's head. <laughs> all over his head. <laughs> That was it was kind of working for me. Alex, do people do that to you? Yeah, from time to time. I think you bring it on yourself sometimes. And then he just starts like quoting like military slogans at them. Why? I have no idea. His friend Andy Penis is behind him going like, yeah, he uh he does that sometimes. <laughs> this is not the first time he's seen a man with a buzz cut and just it took over. Wait a minute, dude. You're not talking about joining the army or soccer practice at all. <laughs> it was a pervasive thought for me while watching this. <laughs> this might be another case of Corona Brain Bumpers watching. Like, I would give anything for me and my bros to go play some mini golf. Dude, right now. I literally I pay any price. I like. I refuse to play mini golf because I get so mad playing mini golf that I'll throw clubs and shit. But like, I would do it in a heartbeat right now. I, I am so bad at mini golf. Yeah. I want to go to Ice Cream Mountain so fucking bad, But it, it should be so easy, and it's not. And it drives me fucking insane. All I'll have to do is bank it off that. And How are we going to get some drinks, you guys want any? Uh, trade balls with me. Fuck There's clearly so. something wrong with mine. You moved that. Oops. <laughs> that too. I hate when me and my boys are hanging out, and someone puts a goddamn sticky thing right in front of my ball. <laughs> You move okay. my tea. You move my tea. It's fine. All right. There are other things to talk about this movie. For example, they join the military, a bunch of dumb stuff happens, and it ends. So the game of games. No, don't speak that into existence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm suffering enough. Oh, man, we're going to get something going for the draft. Okay, so they hit it upon the brilliant idea that they're going to join the Army Reserves. Because I don't know if this is true. I actually don't know. But apparently the Army will pay you... For a full year salary, even though you're only working a couple weeks during the year, this actually sounds like a pretty good way to get job breakers. Dude, I might be in. People always reference Top Gun and just having the recruiters outside. This movie almost recruited me. It's like, it's like one, one week in a month and I get, I can just go game all day? Hang on. <laughs> like, What's the catch? I'll go to Chad. There's a recurring joke here. Polly's brother works at a pool. That's it's good, fun. right? Yeah, it's uh, it's like movies, right? Okay. I mean, so, we haven't visited the whole extended Polly Shore universe. Maybe we're missing something. Uh, we'll, I'm yeah, sure we'll yeah, fill we'll... in the uh, the cracks next week. Yeah, we'll get to the Polyverse later. So yeah, I feel like a pool shows up a lot in Encino, man. Maybe that'll make things more. Yeah, we'll us. find out. So anyway, uh, they they decide, hey, we'll join the uh, the Army Reserves. What could possibly go wrong? And. They're in it, and again, Andy Dick, just full-on display, has no comedy chops. He doesn't know how to deliver a line. How come every single sidekick in Pauly Shore movies makes him look good? How does this happen? 
Isn't, isn't that the whole point? Turns out the man is yeah, actually I would, a no, genius. I get it. But, like, how does this happen? Because it's Polly Shore. I thought he was the lowest of the low. He should be the designated sidekick. <laughs> He's the dumb, ugly, fat friend, but for comedy. Look, like, <laughs> yeah. we've watched... If I was headlining a movie, I would also ask for a bald one to play 100%. off 100%. Of. fantastic. <laughs> but, like, we've watched back-to-back shitty Polly Shore movies, and I still kind of feel like Polly Shore got a raw deal. <laughs> Well, yeah, like you know, he wasn't as bad as Stephen Baldwin. He wasn't as bad as Andy Penis. I mean, Kevin Smith is still making movies. We'll just throw that gauntlet down. Oh, God. I mean, Jesus. Hey, like, just having a fine day, and then you do this. How thing. many wins do I need to assign one of you guys this new fucking Kevin James Racing Netflix series? No. Okay, that's... No. So, so they have to go through... Going on. All right, all right. <laughs> they have to go head. through basic training. They have to do a lot of push-ups and stuff. And they introduce a character who will not recur. Why do they not bring back that uh, drill sergeant character? In, like, any other movie, you'd be like, oh, she's going to be, like, someone they impress at the end of the movie, and then they kiss or something. No, this that drill sergeant never comes back. She's just done. She's just in boot camp the entire time, which is what drill sergeants do, to be fair. But, like, come on, bring her back. She was... She was part of the movie. You can't just leave her behind. I mean, that was the same thing. We were like, he was, is that Paul Mooney? What the fuck? Oh, he's gone. <laughs> well, okay, movie. <laughs> Whatever you say. They bring back a lot of vagina. <laughs> well, you got raw star power like that. You have to. Paulie exactly. Shore so. makes Bryant Gumble look like Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> So they go through basic training and they do a bunch of dumb stuff that sucks. Uh, they make Polly Shore try to do a push-up. That dude really sucks at push-ups. Are we, gonna, <laughs> I don't know what's going on are we just going <laughs> to gloss over them trying to get out of the army by pretending to be gay? Uh, we, they haven't got to that part yet. Because they not, they, I, I was going to mention here? that they do this stupid, like, it's almost like a Looney Tunes thing where you drop the uh, the grenade and you throw the pin. And she makes them do push-ups. <laughs> it's a classic. Well, that'll teach them. Uh, yeah. So they... They go to a club. They're like, all right, we're done with basic training. Now we can just, you know, goof off the entire time and purify water and uh, fuck a lot of vagina. Anyway, no, the Lippians have invaded Chad. (laughs) (laughs) Classic Libya. Now, this is where where we meet two new characters. Uh, Lori Petty is in this. She's in so many great movies. Like Tank Girl. It's on site. (laughs) <laughs> at this point it's personal she's the best part of this movie and she's really bad at it correct and who could forget their other friend Pat Tillman who joins them to chase <laughs> uh, no they also have David Allen Greer who's from uh, In Living Color which I like he's, him in that show I really do clearly he's in this. 25 years older than everyone else yeah and he also should not be in movies because it turns out he was carried by the Wayans brothers <laughs> Spin not the a, wheel not of ways. Not a role to really work with, but my god. Alright, let's make jokes about teeth for a while. Sick. Thanks, See, movie. this is when, like, I started to realize, because Polly Shore starts doing, like, that dentist thing. He's like, you know when you go to the dentist and he's like, and they just, he does, he does this for, like, six minutes straight. And David Allen Greer just stares at him. This is where I started to realize, like, yeah, you know what? I prefer Biodome. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is yes and Polly Shore. <laughs> you just smile and nod until he tires himself out like a toddler. It's like, yeah, you know what? Bring back Stephen Baldwin. Bring back the... <laughs> it's better than this. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Ever since we watched Biodome, I've been just doing the voice to myself as I walk around the house. Like, 
Oh, Much I'd like go Yu-Gi-Oh. insane. <laughs> That's just a thing in your brain now forever. <laughs> You're going to catch yourself doing that a year from now. It really is, so and I'm going to know what it's from. And like the girl that I'm with will look at me and be like, what the fuck what? was that? Oh, babe, you ever seen Biodome? It's Hold it's going to be like House on Haunting Hill. I'm just going to like leave the car. I'm just <laughs> like I'm just imagining, you know, in the before time. The last time I went to Vegas with a couple friends, like we walked past this fucking shop that had Jello shots like seven different times, and every time we're like we're gonna rock paper scissors, and whoever loses has to buy the round. And I'm just imagining that, except every time I'm throwing paper and going paper covers rock. <laughs> 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 you got thrown out of the store. <laughs> like, can we just talk about Biden again? Dude, I'm so Actually, ready. So, this is what gets me. Uh, they're at that party place. They're at the bar, I guess. And he's going to fuck a lot of vagina. And she calls him buff. And maybe it's because the scene is lit so poorly, but come the fuck on. Look at him. Oh, man, he's just toned. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway, they have to go to Chad. <laughs> now, you have to understand that... light at the end of tunnel watching this movie and taking no notes. Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you have to understand that Chad is very inhospitable. Chad is very, very hot. <laughs> Which is so unfair. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, Chris. You know, uh, if this conflict had really heated up, we would have had to institute some Chad drafting to get enough soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you listen back, you can hear my brain scratch that together in real time. <laughs> it's like the first caveman inventing fire. <laughs> Prometheus came down and went, hey, say this dumb shit so your friends hate you. <laughs> I just think it's unfair that Chad is portrayed as like some sort of bad place or some bad thing, you know? It's just a desert. Like, oh my god, what do you mean we have to go to fucking Chad? You know... And then his girlfriend leaves him. As one does when you go to Chad. You know, <laughs> you know, say what you want. She also goes to Chad. <laughs> you say what you want, but if Polly Shore and Andy Dick finished the fight, then Dr. Ben would still be alive. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You know, there's also a lot going on with Lori Petty's character. Like, she's just the most inconsistent character in the show. Like, when she's introduced, you're just like... Oh, this is going to be the mom character. You know the mom character. The one who's like the the very serious woman who has to put up with these boys and their bullshit. But turns out she's as goofy as the rest of them when they go to Chad. They're like being like... There's like that guy on TV that journalists talk about. And the Libyans are invading Chad right now. All the virgins are very upset. She's in the background of that TV shot like goofing off and making faces. Lori, what are you doing? Tank Girl doesn't start shooting for another year. This is your second Lori Petty in the Desert movie. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> it's been a rough February for this guy. <laughs> the, the leaders from Chad have a message. It says, wagey, wagey in a cagey. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the big problem, the big overarching problem for in the army now. And not just for us, mostly for other people too, but largely for this show. It's a PG movie. And... 
PG movies really don't have a lot of material that we can riff off of, and that's just the way that it goes. And we, I, mean, I think we've done PG movies before. I think Howard the Duck was a PG movie. No Look way. How great that episode I, was. I'm not looking that up, but no, no fucking way to a duck jack off in a PG movie. I think it was. I'm pretty sure. You know what? Do we want to put a movie bet on it? No. You're just gonna make me watch okay, Howard the Duck too, or some already. shit. <laughs> gonna make you watch Howard the Duck too. <laughs> Watched no. so many good movies this week. I'm not letting you ruin this for me. Well, that had to Howard the Duck PG. So your next assignment. <laughs> Everyone blames fucking Indiana Jones, but really, a bunch of children saw Howard the Duck. Like someone has to handle this. <laughs> we need a committee to form. This is garbage. Yeah, no, we can't let kids see duck tits. We have to let them see Polly Shore go. Just imagining desert. Tipper Gore losing her fucking mind. But not being able to bring a duck up in front of Congress. <laughs> the PMRC watching in the army now being like, what the fuck is Lori Petty doing? <laughs> Speaking of this movie being PG, like I'm watching, I'm like, I, you kind of get like the PG feel. Like it's got the music in the background, like, oh, this is a family picture sort of thing. Turns out Polly Shore says the word shit a lot in the PG movie, which I thought you weren't allowed to do. But it, it's kind of early. It's 1994. Maybe you could get away with that sort of thing. And then, fast forward here, they get lost in the desert because they're stupid. And Lori Petty, to, I guess, spurn Andy Dick, talks about this bizarre sex fantasy that she wants to have with Polly Shore in, like, graphic detail. And I'm like, all right, Same. I thought this was PG, maybe not. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of different movies going on here. And unfortunately, they're all bad. Like, wishing no offense to Lori Petty, it's not like she's not cute. She's cute. She is. She's she's very good looking. She's a very good actress, but, like, we couldn't have a lot of vagina saying all this? Just give me something, movie, please. Yeah, come on. I'm begging you. Give me something to work with. So, uh, a bunch of dumb shit happens, and everyone dies, and the movie ends. What do we want to do next week? More Pauly Shore. Son-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing Encino Man, or are we doing Best of the Best 2? Oh my god. Okay, I, I, now, hang on a second. <laughs> I feel like... Also, there's literally nothing to talk about. For this yeah, movie. I know, there really isn't. <laughs> yeah, well, the good news is we're done early, so you can get to work. <laughs> Thank god. Did either of you read the trivia? Because I'm going to make your night so much worse. I think I, I did, but like I only glanced over. What Was there something noteworthy? Fucking Shooter McGavin was going to be in the movie and then turned it down because he didn't want to keep playing. Fuck this movie. <laughs> we almost that would have been a four-hour episode right there. Like, actually, no, this looks like dog shit. I'm tired of being typecast. We couldn't even have that. Fucking Chad. Chad ruins everything. And that's the tea, sis.